Today's episode of the Triple Threat Podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of Bruno Sammartino. Well, Mr. Sammartino, as we said at the top, this is just the icing on the proverbial two-man power trip of wrestling cake. I mean, I feel such a validation that we were able to spend this time with you tonight and just relive some of these great moments and memories of a timeless career with a timeless individual and before we wrap up, if you could just kind of share with us, if you look back on your career, and obviously the Hall of Fame was just a couple of years ago, but is there anything that you could say looking back you would define your legacy with? Is there a moment? Is there a match? Is there something that when you look back at the career of Bruno San Martino in professional wrestling that there will always be one single solitary thing that everybody thinks about Bruno or one memory they all have? Well, you know, I struggled all my life in Europe and coming over here, as I said, sickly and all that. And, and then, you know, the the thing, not that it was the greatest match by any means, but when I wrestled Buddy Rogers in Madison Square Garden and uh, winning that match and then to watch that pe the people explode like they did, and now I knew that I made it. I thought, wow, I didn't know how long it was going to last. I don't know if I was going to make it as a champion, but at least tonight I am the champion. I thought, my God, from where I started to be here now and for this to have happened, that, that uh, of course, is the most uh, memorable you know, thing that ever happened to me. It's uh, absolutely it's a, a moment in time that is uh, definitely relived by the fans, and hopefully uh, they can go out of their way if they haven't seen it to go see it and relive all of Bruno's greatest moments uh, a part of history and just we can't thank you enough for spending this time with us and hopefully uh, hopefully you enjoyed it because I know John and I we're, uh, we're tickled pink that you were able to spend this time with us tonight well Chad and John both of you I, uh, I, I absolutely enjoyed talking to you guys all this time and, uh, and I, uh, I was very, very happy and to, to do your show and uh, wish you guys nothing but the best. You certainly do a good interview and uh, and I appreciate everything and uh, I thank you. So good luck to you and uh, <laughs> and keep up the good work. <laughs> May 17, 1963, World Championship Wrestling. Bruno Sammartino challenging the champion Buddy Rogers. Sammartino attacking from the opening bell. He's got Rogers in the air. Rogers in tremendous pain. San Martino with a crushing bear hug. Now San Martino rolling Rogers over his shoulder. He's got him in the pack breaker. Buddy Rogers is totally helpless and it's all over. San Martino wins in 55 seconds. A stunning defeat for Buddy Rogers. And Bruno San Martino is the new world champion of wrestling. He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great, grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Jerry Funk, the man who never died. 
this franchise. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. Let's get it going right here and right now. This is the Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you live here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. And we are joined here for a very special show by not only our co-host, the franchise, Shane Douglas, but we are joined on this tribute to the great living legend, Bruno San Martino, former WWF Tag Team Champion and former WWF International Tag Team Champion alongside Bruno San Martino, we welcome in the great Dominic Danucci. Mr. Danucci, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thank you. And that's my pleasure, too. And I'm glad you asked me to talk about Bruno San Martino because Bruno San Martino was one of the best in the world. Anything, strong, good wrestler, good patient to do anything he have to do. And he was so strong to, to, with the weight when he was younger. <laughs> and the wrestling man, he was one of the best I, anywhere in the world. And I traveled with him at so many places, uh, Japan, uh, California, Australia, and most in, in the United States and California. Uh, he was the man you don't going to find a better. And Dominic, the people, uh, yes. Where, where did uh, share with us where where you first met Bruno San Martino? Bruno San Martino, I met him in 1956 between uh, uh, Toronto and Montreal. Was a TV station there that we did the TV. That's the first time I saw him, and I hmm. was just starting too. And uh, and he said to me, he said, where you come from? And I said, I'm from Italy in a little town, La Provincia Campo Bas. And he said, oh, my God. He said, we're about 40 miles away apart, but we didn't know <laughs> each other, you know. And since then, we always stand. Uh, Sometimes he was going to different places because he mostly was in New York, and I was oh, traveling geez. the other end of the world. Uh but we made a sixth trip together in Japan and in California and Australia and any, anywhere else. We we almost did the world one time because we were in England and uh, and many other places. We were in Germany and we, and no, uh, I was in Italy in 1988. But Bruno didn't come because he was in engagement with the, the company he was working. Mm. Uh, but it's a, I'm not going to try to to tell, but I don't think you can find a best man like him. Yeah. yeah. And a good wrestler and strong like a bull. <laughs> was, <laughs> yes, yes. Because uh, I remember when he picked up a, the man with 500 pounds in New York. And he that That's right. And... Um, by the slam like a nothing. And I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, now because he's not here anymore, but uh, I cry for one week for him. You know, yeah. And uh, 
because was was nothing the best friend I ever got in my life, and we got along good very well, and uh, and I hope someday I'm going to see him again. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sure he will, Dominic. He, yeah. Did you guys always find it crazy? Uh, uh, you know, you always hear the phrase, you know, the world's a small place or what a small world. And you guys both came into wrestling from completely different directions, uh, growing up that close to each other in Italy, never knowing each other. And then mm-hmm. all the way on the other side of the world, yes, yes. connecting in the, in the in wrestling business. Yes, because when, uh, uh, well, if you guys, I mean, you guys are young guys, because the, the member of the world in their 40s, uh, we did the rough time with uh, the world coming through. Uh, yeah. The little town where we come from, and where Bruno, Bruno, have to stay up in the mountain, my God, and you read a lot of the things that they did, uh, the mother, what it was doing to, for, to feed to the kids. And we did the same thing because we live in the farm. But uh, uh, when I decided to come to leave after the war, I told my dad I'm going to leave. And he said, where are you going? And I said, I don't know, somewhere in America. I want to go in America. But I didn't have I didn't have a chance to come in America because of the law, because mm-hmm. Italy was against, uh, you know, against the war with the United States and everything else. Um, so I come in to Canada, and uh, that's where I met Bruno in Canada, in Ontario. And <laughs> we've been friends since then. Uh, we always, um, he were, but actually, a lot of time he helped me because when uh, when he left Australia, he said, "Where are you gonna go now when you finish here?" And I said, "I don't know." And he said, "Why don't you come to New York?" Uh, well, I've never been in New York, uh, <laughs> so I said, possibility. Uh, so when I finished Australia, I, I got back in San Francisco, and I called Bruno, and I said, I'm back in California, and he said, where are you going? Well, I said, I'm going to drive to New York. <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> uh, Is that what you drove, drove away? I drove from San Francisco to Washington D.C. <laughs> Jesus! Wow, Jesus! And and now probably probably you can't believe. Sometimes I don't believe myself because when I left to San Francisco, I drove one thousand miles, no stop, just drinking water, put the gas in the car. You don't eat or nothing. Uh, just drink water. And I, I drove 1,000 miles, and then uh, was in the middle of the highway. I saw the motel that I checked in, and I slept for 10 hours. And the next day, I left again. And three days, I was in Washington, and it's 3,300 miles. That's 3,300. How, how old were you at that time, Dominic? Oh, I was very young. I got a lot of pep. <laughs> <laughs> well, had to, well, you had know, to for that kind I of wasn't a, I wasn't a 30, 35, you know. Yeah. I can do anything then, you know. I, I don't need to sleep a lot, and I was in good shape. 
Uh, I remember when when I came in, uh, I was passing through Pennsylvania, and I called Bruno, and he said to me, he "said Where are you?" I said, "Well, uh, I'm on the turnpike. Actually, at that time, we didn't call it the turnpike." Uh, I said, "I'm going. I'm going to be in Washington." He said, "Okay, I'll be there tomorrow." And uh, when I got in Washington, I go to the hotel where they gave me the address to go. That's where the office of Vince McMahon was. And I got there. And I met Vince McMahon. The next day, I go work out to the YMCA. When he get out of the YMCA, he's, he's coming out. I'm going in. And he look at me and he said, who are you? And I told him, I said, I'm Dominic Danucci. Oh, okay. He said, uh, I'll come back to the office later. And uh, and then the next day, Bruno come in, you know, and uh, I stayed in New York a little bit. And, uh, but then we travel a lot. With Bruno, I travel everywhere, man. It was, uh, was a pleasure. And uh, Bruno was uh, a man that uh, couldn't do anything. Uh, the first time, one time I saw him in New York and on the gym, the bench press 500 pounds, and I said, oh, my God. I said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said for me, 300, it's enough, you know, I could yeah. do more. Because <laughs> yeah. well, he Dom- said, well, you got a long, long arm, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic, the uh, stories, you know, I, I've grown up hearing them in the business, but, you know, you, not just from you, but from fans around the world, uh, can you share a little bit with us? You know, you, you said about what a good person Bruno San Martino was, but I've heard yes. so many stories, people saying, uh, what a gracious guy, what a classy guy. And I, I can speak from that from my own experience. Can you share a little bit of that with us about Bruno San Martino? Yes. Bruno, never, when you wrestle or when you work out to the way I'm seeing, wherever you're going, if somebody was coming, can it be a young guy, young lady, or old lady, an old man who want an autograph? Bruno stop everything he does. He did yeah. sign the autograph to everyone. And that's, I mean, when we were on the street, uh, not that the, when you wrestle, when you wrestle, you sign autograph. But sometimes, like the New York, the Garden, you can really sign your autograph because after you finish, uh, you go different way, you know. Right. Uh, but everyone, uh, and that's Bruno, got a good reputation because of, he did everything to to make happy the, the crowd, the people, you know. Uh, look, I never, I never see a guy like that. Mm. The way the way he was, he was friendly with everybody. But don't yeah. step on his foot either, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Dominic, you know, one thing I want to kind of throw in there, too, is, you know, my family uh, growing up, or they were, they were in Brooklyn, New York, and, and growing up, Bruno San Martino was obviously, you know, their guy. And, and yes, my yes. mom always tells me that her, her grandfather would sit in the back room and watch on the black and white TV and wait for Bruno 
to come out. And obviously being Italian as well, you know, we, we kind of, we, we took to you guys, we took to you, we took to, uh, Antonina Rocca was my, my grandfather's other favorite wrestler and he loved Bruno. And, and if you can kind of talk about how Bruno really, uh, played off of those fans so well in New York that were from all different likes and from all different kinds of the world. And they all in New York, that's a melting pot. And Bruno was the guy who they looked up to. Yes, sir. Bruno in New York, uh, he was he was one of the best, and not because, but he was uh, the, the people after a little bit when they met him and he started wrestle. I mean, they were falling all the time because he was a good personality and good. He was like not normal man because he looked like a bull when when he weighed two seventy five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if you see if you see Bruno, you pass outside. You look twice. I said, "Oh my God, look at this guy!" Uh, but he was. And I, I'm gonna tell you something. When, when he beat Buddy Roger, okay, in New York for the belt, the people in New York at the old garden, not to the new one, at the old garden, mm-hmm. they get up and they stand up for almost. 15, 20 minutes, we never sit, because, well, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Dominic, that, you know, you, you told me stories before, and, and as did Bruno, uh, was that because, you know, you had mentioned and talked a little bit to me, uh, well, a lot to me, and, and Bruno had a little bit, about the discrimination that Italians faced. Uh, especially in big cities like New York and Pittsburgh and other places. And the Italian immigrants that had come here from the old country, suddenly they're able to turn on their television and see an Italian superstar speaking the language to them. Uh, What did that mean to the Italian immigrants in places like New York and Pittsburgh and Washington and Cleveland and Buffalo? What did Bruno San Martino and guys like you and, and Rocca and all the other Italian stars that came into wrestling at that time what did they? What did Bruno San Martino mean to the to the Italian immigrants? Well, I think he mean mean a lot because uh, the television when you watch, you know, at that time, you know, when I come in now, I'm just jumping the track. When I come in in, in Canada from Italy, I saw the television that I never see a television in the, in the home. We didn't have it. We have a bunch of donkey and and and, and <laughs> sheep in in the, in the farm. <laughs> but when I came in in Montreal, I saw the the TV was run like a moon, a small one. I never saw TV before. The people on that moment, and, and now I'm talking for me, and, and Canada, I came in in Montreal, the French people, no, they didn't like the Italian coming in. Mm-hmm. And that was a fact. And, and I know it's not nice but then when you know the people, when you start learning the language, it's a little different. If right. Bruno was the same thing. The only thing, Bruno came in to Pennsylvania, and he did the school, he did go to the college, he wasn't an, uh, he going a soldier for 10 months, or almost a year. Um, and you, 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 when you learn the language, it's all the difference. Do you always find somebody, you know, except the people come from overseas? And I don't mean just Italy, other places too. Sure. Because today 
today is a different things. You can uh, you can go because I've been in Africa, I've been in the Middle East, I've mm-hmm. been in the Philippines. You know, and uh, if you speak the language, you're okay. And uh, at that moment, I was I was pretty good because I speak French and I speak a little bit Thai and I can speak a little bit English <laughs> and a little I can defend myself from Chinese, <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> so, but anyway, well, but well, was it at that time? Yeah, at that time, Dominic, was it for the Italian immigrants to, after facing that discrimination, uh, to see on television and to go be able to see live and read about in the magazines and in the newspaper, to see somebody like a Bruno Sammartino, somebody from the old country, becoming a world champion in America, uh, that must have meant the world to those Italian immigrants. Well, and that also meant meant to the people living in America too, not just not sure, just oh the, sure, not just the immigrants, not just the people come from Italy. Of course, the people come from Italy or another part. Yes, they probably respect more because they say, "Look at this guy who come from Italy." But then, the people in the United States and other people, you you like that wrestler, and you follow him. And because right. he was so so strong and everything in New York, you know, he was the best. There's no man in the world so far, and probably I never see him. No, no one can be like him in New York, because he draw people in New York. I mean, unbelievable, so loud all the time. And yeah. he was he was from Italy, so so what? Well, what's the difference? <laughs> you know. Well, I think for like the Americans, for me especially. Even as a young kid watching Bruno in Pittsburgh, uh, oh, yeah. you could you could see his sincerity. I've never seen somebody be able to translate their sincerity through the television camera as well as Bruno could. He didn't have to say it. You could just tell by looking at him that when he said yes. he loved Pittsburgh, you could tell he yes. was being sincere. Uh, when yes. he said he loved the fans, he was being sincere. Yes, yes, yes. Because if you think... The fan, they watch you on the television. I'd say it's in the Pittsburgh on Channel 11 when I came in here. I mean, the people, they, they sell out to go in the studio. But when you go to the arena, you sell out. Of course, I'm not yeah. saying just me. It was Bruno and other people better than me. But the people, if you, you want to go see the wrestling, I go see the hockey before when I started. I don't care what it was. You think the worry about where you come from? You you pay for the seat and you sit there. You enjoy the work with hockey and other things, right? And Bruno San Martin was that way with the wrestling. He was one of the best. That's all you know. So it's very hard to to say everything what he did because he got hurt a few times. Uh, Bruno San Martin broke his neck in New York. Well, talk about that, Dominic, about how, why did he not go to the hospital in New York? Well, um, was Vince McMahon and myself, who was watching the, the, the red when he was wrestled, when he hurt himself. And mm-hmm. um, when that thing happened, I said to Vince McMahon, I said, Bruno's hurt. And that's what I'm telling you is a fact. I was there, and I said that, and I see it. 
and Vince McMahon took off like a shotgun to go to the arena, and they stopped and the, the referee and then the other people came in and blah blah. But he stayed down there. He couldn't get up. He was right in the middle of the ring. Uh, and I watched him because it was on the summertime and they were sweating. And I mm-hmm. still believe today the guy didn't do that on purpose. He just lost the weight because he was heavy. He just slid down and fall on his head. Yeah. But uh, Vince McMahon and the doctor there, then there was the doctors and they said, you have to go to the hospital. And Bruno said, no, I'm not going to the hospital. Now, uh, we left to go to the hotel. And, that, and I said to Bruno, I said, why you didn't want to go to the hospital here in New York? He said, Dominique, he said, if I go to the hospital, my mom is going to die tomorrow. Mm. See, that's what, he, that's what he said. He said, if I, if I stay here in New York and they find out got, I'm in the hospital, my mom is going to die. Well, he was so worried. He was so worried about his mother and father finding out from the media that yes, yes, he had been yes. hurt. Yeah, and and uh, all night to six o'clock in the morning, we put eyes on. I put eyes on his neck, you know, on on, on the back, everywhere. And then, uh, at six o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> I said, "Okay, now I'll, I'll take you to the airport." And he said, "No, you don't go to the airport." He said, "You didn't sleep. I didn't sleep." I take a taxi, but he called the doctor in Pittsburgh, Doctor Maroon, and Doctor Maroon picked him up at the airport straight to the hospital, you know, for the operation. Incredible. Uh, and, and and his neck, you know, you hear the phrase "broken neck." Uh, he had, correct me if I'm wrong, he had a crushed vertebra in his neck. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because so I mean. When you fall on his neck, this body, the weight, not just the yeah. neck broke, he screwed up his back too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And he had he had lifelong problems with his back after that, didn't he? Say that again. He had uh, throughout his life because of that he had problems. With oh his yes, back. yes, yes, yes. Everything he was he did have other things in his body besides that, you know. Mm. And that's what that's what they kill him, you know. So. Well, what an incredible story. You know, we heard yesterday at the church, uh, Larry Richard, a uh, local personality from KDK yeah. and, and, and Dr. Costa, both gave very, very, inc- I think, incredible speeches uh, talking about Bruno San Martino. And what I got from both of those men and everybody that spoke yesterday was just what a deep, unabiding love that Bruno San Martino had for his mother and father, and especially his mother. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. With what he had gone through as a child. Yes, yes. Because when uh, the 1941 and 42 when the war was there, uh, where Bruno was leaving, because his father, the father who came in early here, he worked in the West Virginia in the mine. And then he moved to Pittsburgh. Uh, they have to be up in the mountain there uh, because of the, the German was coming in. And they, you know, they put everybody out of the house and everything. And the mother mm. have to go have to go at night 
go to their own house to pick up something to eat to take up with the mother. And and Bruno told me, I said, when I see my mom, he was a kid, six years old. When mm. I see my mom leave, I sit outside and wait when she come back. Because had she had she gotten caught sneaking back into town like that in the middle of the night, she could have been shot for that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Wow. What yeah. What an incredible story. I mean It is now, and, Bruno, and, and and but this is not really a story. That's a fact what happened oh, to that family other family too. Right. You know, not just now, Bruno, not just because everybody get out you have to get out of the village because the right. Germans throw everybody out. Now, so so the fans listening understand Bruno's father came over early and yes. he was working in the mines and later steel mill to raise enough money to be able to bring the family when yes, the, when yes. the war broke out, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So he had uh, gotten cut off from the family. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's uh, an incredible story all around. I mean, yeah, it's, you know. You know so, and the, the, the Bruno sometime would tell me, over, not sometime, when we... When we were together, we have something to eat or something. And he was asking me, what you guys do? Your mom and dad then would, because we were a bunch of kids too. But I yeah. have to say this. I don't want, uh, the truth, when the German came in and out of house, and it's one man speak the language, and they stay nine days on the farm. And uh, but we, you know, you can't say, well, I don't like the German. Then we didn't have not nothing problem with him. We we eat on the same table. One time, one day the fat, one day one the German cook make a German food there, and we eat all all together. My grandmother was cooking, and then when the American came in, and remember each group will have one man to speak the language. The American, they got one Italian guy born in, a, in the Seattle, Washington, and he was speaking Italian. Mm. And we said we didn't have no problem with the German or with the, the American. None. The American mm. was playing baseball on the farm. <laughs> so, <laughs> one time I said, I said to the guy, I said, uh, what the hell are you guys doing? He said, do you ever see this? He got the bat and he got the ball, and I said, and the guy said to me, said, "You want to hit the ball?" And that's a fact. And I, I, <laughs> I was, I was about seven years old. <laughs> you, and, you uh, had never seen baseball before. No, no. <laughs> and uh, he, he, the guy said, "Okay, here's the bat." He showed me, and he said, "And we're going to throw the ball." Very, he did very slow. Yep. They didn't throw. And I hit him. And he said, Are you did that before? I said, No, that was an accident. <laughs> yeah. A natural, oh, a natural yes. for the game. Yes. And then now, um, talk about the wrestling, but also you talk about the people you meet, like him, the Thaian guy, because each group speaks the language. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, they were making a hole in the front of the house to put the machine gun in. 
mm-hmm. right, right in front of the house. And my father was there, and I, and I said to my dad, I said, why, why are they making the hole there? And the guy said, the guy speaking the language said, oh, we have to put the machine gun here. I said, why? I said, why don't you put them 200 feet away? Because if the, the airplane dropped the bomb, <laughs> said they're going to burn the house down. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how old were you, Dominic, how old were you when this was all happening? About seven and a half, eight years old. Wow. Uh, and uh, they were telling me, um, the guys, the guy was speaking Italian, they said, go pick up a bottle of wine. <laughs> they were digging with the <laughs> shovel, and I bring the wine, they were drinking. And like I said, I'm not telling any bad thing. The German didn't do nothing in our house, and the American was the same thing. The only thing the Germans said when they came in, they told my dad, they closed all the window, and then they told my dad, said, you go feed the horse or the cow before dark. You do not. They said, you do not go outside. We're not responsible because we have people at night go through with the jeep and they shoot you. Yeah. So they closed all the window and everything, but we never got any problem. Mm. And then we came in in America. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come in America. I said to the the, the, the guy who was speaking the language. I said, I want to go to USA. And he said, With your attitude, he probably will someday. He said. <laughs> now is this know. the guy that is this the guy that you later went and visited in America? Yes, that's yeah. And he came with the now. He came with the phone number, and address. Mm-hmm. Then when I came in to Canada, but I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't really call. Uh, but after the two or three years, I said I have to call him. So I, when I, I called him, and he said to me, he "said Who are you?" I said, uh, "You remember that the kid was bad when you got <laughs> pregnant." <laughs> and you, you guys tell me that when you play baseball, you tell me go pick up a bottle of wine, and everything go quiet for a little bit. He said, "Wait a minute," he said. You mean your name is Dominic? And I said, well, "Yeah." Oh my God, he said. He told his wife there, "You have to come to see me." Well, I didn't <laughs> go see him to when I go to Calgary. When I started wrestle, I, go, I yeah. was in Calgary, and then I left to, to go to San Francisco. I stayed all of the winter time in Calgary, and then April the 15th, I started in San Francisco. And I called him when I passed by there, and he said, where are you? I said, at the motel. He said, you stay there, and I come see you. <laughs> him and his wife come in. And I mean, well, actually... Uh, was sad too because he said, "Oh my God!" He said, "You were just a little shrimp." He said, <laughs> "Oh yeah." And I said, and "Then he said, how'd you decide to be in the wrestling?'" I said, "I don't know." I said, "I wrestle amateur." And no, no. And in fact, because I won the tournament to go to the Olympic in 1956, 
and uh, to Melbourne, Australia. And then when I won the tournament, the guy the the guy was teaching me said you can go, and I said who's paying the trip? <laughs> I said <laughs> I, I didn't have no money. I was making one dollar and twenty five cents an hour. I couldn't pay the airline, you know, and, and the hotel and, and the food. I said no. And back then, you you had to pay your own way, right? So if yeah, it was no sponsor or nothing, you know. Yeah. But now, then I did, later, I did go later in Australia. We got a lot of fun with Bruno. And I have to tell you this. When Bruno came in Australia, in Melbourne, he came in on a Thursday, a restaurant Friday in Sydney, and Saturday we go to Melbourne. And um, so now when we... we uh, at 10 o'clock, no, 11 o'clock in the morning, you do the television live there, like anybody else. The same thing was here uh-huh. in Pittsburgh or anywhere else. And um, so when we go back to the hotel where we stayed, uh, we're going to have something to eat. It was roughly around 1 o'clock because the TV was 11 o'clock. We were back. Anyway, so we look at the menu, and we saw... What we won, <laughs> and uh, that's Bruno, <laughs> Bruno said, "What are you going to have?" And I said, "Well, look like the the lamb chop is really good." And he <laughs> said, "Okay." <laughs> so we ordered that, and then uh, we are more, and we are more. We are three times. <laughs> And now, two now. Remember, I'm not. I'm not taking a joke. And that's a fact. Bruno <laughs> eats twenty-four feet. Oh my God! Oh yeah! Oh my God! And I, eat, and I eat twenty-two. Now, <laughs> <laughs> when the second time we order, uh, the guys when we order again. In other words, the second time, and then we order again. The third time. Yeah. He came in at the door. It looked like the three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> One was on his knee and, and looking at and they said, "What? Who, who the hell is there?" <laughs> <So> <laughs> you guys, you guys wiped out a whole herd. Oh yeah, yes, yes. That was, was we laughing to it. We drink a nice bottle of wine or two. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Hey, so but Dominic, anyway, how about, um, how about traveling into Japan with Bruno? There's a picture, when I was going through some pictures online, I stumbled across one of you and Bruno in Japan, and just kind of going through some match results and seeing you guys teaming together. How was it traveling to a place like Japan with, with a friend of yours like Bruno and being able to work in some of those legendary halls uh, throughout well, Japan? Well, the thing, number one, because you you have a your partner, you, your friend that speak the same language, because in Japan you can, you know. But we got the... We had a good time. We, you wrestle, uh, and then you travel by train there, and then, uh, I mean, you know, we we got a lot of fun. You have to have fun because you can't be, when you're in a different country, you can't be miserable, see, because you can't understand what's what's talking about. So you just do the best you can. And when... Uh, in Japan, the first time I learned, I told the guy, I said, how do you say good morning in Japanese? And Bruno was there. And 
Joe Aguchi was the referee, but he was speaking English because he was in Texas referee. And I said, we're having a coffee in the hotel. And Bruno was there. And it was somebody else. There were three guys and, and uh, Joe. I said, Joe, I said, can you tell me what you say good morning in Japanese? And he said, oh, he said, Dominic son, very easy. Okay, we were in coffee. We have something to eat. Two, two couple of minutes later, I said, Joe, are you going to tell me? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's very easy. The third time I said, what? <laughs> I said Joe, I said, I'm going to pull your ear off. Tell me what what they mean, good morning, in the Japanese. And he said, Ohio. And I said, now what the hell are you talking about, Ohio? Ohio is over there, the United States. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. Ohio is a good morning in the Japanese, and it was true. You know, God, I forgot a lot of fun with that. <laughs> when what year was that, though? <sighs> the last time I was in Japan was '82. Uh, that was in the '70s. Well, the reason I yeah. ask is because Joe Gucci was was still there the first time I went there in 1988. He was still there, and, and I believe yes, he worked yes. there for quite some time after that. Yes, yes. And then it, I, I, I remember when he died, but then I, I don't remember exactly when Joe Gucci died. But yeah, we did. Uh, and Bruno, the Japanese man, they're like when he wrestled with the Baba. My God, they, they like Bruno better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, didn't didn't Bruno San Martino uh, buy uh, Giant Baba a uh, an American Cadillac because he was so big? Is that a true story? Yes, yes. And I was there when they made the deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give me uh, Bruno. Send him uh, this car. But was it? Shit, it was only fifteen thousand mile on. It was new. Yeah, and you said that's how, Baba. Yeah, yeah. That's how much he respected Baba, and uh, as, as uh, you know, we any of us that wrestled, ever wrestled in Japan know that respect in Japan is a very big thing. Uh, yes, and yes. for somebody like Bruno to show that level of respect to his opponent, oh, yeah. Giant yeah. Baba, uh, yeah. I'm sure resonated with the Japanese people as much as he did here in America. Of course, yes, yes. And Bruno, Bruno was well liked in Japan, and I mean, like you just said, but the, because everybody see the car, and I, probably Baba was telling Bruno came with the <laughs> the car, you know. Yeah, it was it was nice. I don't know, it was um, uh, was a long trip. Uh, you travel by train, you fly, and sometimes by bus. And when you don't speak your language, it's a little hard, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, to me, it was an enjoyable and everything, especially when you're with somebody, somebody you like, somebody you talking together, and, and you know. And Bruno was good for everything, you know. And uh, I'm going to miss him. Very much so, but 
you know, you talk about with, with Giant Baba, and, and when you can see those matches still, you can find them on YouTube, and you talk about how he was built like an ox, and he was just, he was so thick, and you see the size of Giant Baba. You would think on paper there's a big difference, but when you see them face-to-face and you see them standing, Bruno's stature in itself made him a giant. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that when we look back now and looking through eyes of 2018 to somebody who performed during your era, you could see yeah, Bruno yeah. competing today just because he was built He was built like he was, like he was put together by a committee. He was the perfect yes, yeah. and seeing him with Bob yes, is unbelievable. Yes, yeah. You know, and uh, I'm going to tell you another, another thing that happened when we go to Japan. Uh, me and Bruno, we came in in San Francisco, and then we flew to Hawaii, and we were going to Japan. And uh, Bruno said, uh, we stay one night. We want to stay one night in Hawaii, and we go to the, to the beach. And Bruno said, uh, Okay, we get up early, we go to the beach, blah, blah. The next morning we were leaving. Uh, and I, he said, I'm going to go swim over there on that side. It was like a wall there with the step from one side. You go to the other side. And I said, okay, you go there. I stay with the old people over here because I couldn't swim good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bruno go up the step and it was a moss on the steps on the other side and he felt it was by eight step and it felt all the way down then when he come back uh, he was not happy he got hurt <laughs> he got hurt you know and now uh, so he come under the bridge there the, he didn't go over the step this time he walked me swim on the other side he came in where I was and I said what happened to you he said, I'll fall down over there. And he said, then Bruno said to me, he said, if I was by myself now, I go back home. And I said, come on. I said, you, we we in Hawaii, almost in, in Japan. He said, my back hurt and blah, blah. I said, but he said, I'm going to call Joe Aguchi and tell him what happened. And I go home, I said, nah, I don't think you're going to do that. You're not going to make the people happy there. Uh, we're going, I'm going to massage you over there when we arrive over there. I said, tonight they're going to massage you in the room, blah, blah. I said, oh, yeah, oh, sure. But I did. I put some oil in my massage. The next morning was a little better. <laughs> But he's, when he go to when he go to to Japan, and he told the guy, Baba, what what happened? Fall down, and Baba said, Oh my God, you fall down the stairs. He said, Yeah. He said, Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it was a good days on that time. But anyway. Uh, you know, it seemed like you were always there for him, though. You know, I'm sorry to cut you off, Dominic, but it always seemed like you were there in a pinch when he needed him. And obviously, that's like that's the perfect sign uh, of a of a good friend is you're always there oh, yeah. whether it's putting the ice on his back or you're there when he's falling oh, yeah, down yeah, in yeah. Hawaii. You know, it was yeah, that camaraderie. Yeah. Now, are there times where Bruno was there for you in the same kind of need? You know, because you guys seemed like you had such a great bond. Where you know, was there times where Bruno had to actually come and help you out as well? Oh yes, yes. 
You did, yes. Uh, but I'm going to tell you another one then. Uh, because I made, uh, we made six trips, but in one time I was by myself, or seven trips I made. Um, I got in Los Angeles, and uh, because that's where the office was. Troy, you know that. Yeah. Um, and um, the guy came in to me, and he said, was was six guys gone? Some from Texas. I don't know who the hell it was, but there were six guys. And uh, the guy in the office there, uh, he said to me, uh, Mr. Denucci, I said, no, my name is Dominic. He said, okay, <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> he said, I want you to take this suitcase to Baba. Okay. Uh, he brought him in at the airport, an airplane. When I was in the plane, he came with a little suitcase and left. He said, you keep the Baba. Now, when I got in Japan, uh, before I come down the step, another Japanese came in and they said, uh, I need a suitcase for Baba, a little briefcase. I said, okay. And they don't go through the migration. And I was watching. He didn't go through the migration, nothing. He got a little briefcase, left. Because they work a different way. Now, the next day I said to Joe Gucci, I said, Joe, I don't mean to be nosy. I said, but what was in that suitcase? I just play stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He He said to me, he said, Dominic, son, for 14 hours, he said, for 14 hours, you were a millionaire. <laughs> oh, I said, that's good. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, a, you're a briefcase full of a million dollars. One million dollars brought over. Yeah. And wow. now, you know, you, you in a plane, uh, you have a responsibility to that yeah. suitcase, you know. Sometime sure. when I was going to the bathroom, I pushed him under the chair. And, and uh, but you, you got you got it's a big responsibility. I don't care on a plane or wherever you know. And uh, uh, so so anyway, when then when I saw you know Joe, I said, "Well, uh, what was?" He said, "Oh, he said Dominic son for fourteen hours. He told me twice. He said it was." <laughs> was one million dollars. I said, oh, <laughs> good. I said, <laughs> I said, now Baba going to pay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but the thing, after they pay everybody, and he paid me, Baba came in, he came $500 extra. So I said, okay, then that, that'll help. <laughs> well, they, they, mu- they must have had a hell of a lot of trust in you to hand you a briefcase of a million dollars. Well, that's I told Bruno, because Bruno was not there at that time. I told Bruno, I said, we're six men. I told who was there, the guys from Texas and blah, blah. And I said, why are they picking me? Uh, well, <laughs> Bruno said, well, 
He said, because you you look normal. <laughs> he said, you look normal. He said, you know, you know, they can trust you. I said, oh, okay, that's true. I never stole a penny in my life. <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a lot of uh, good faith to hand somebody a anybody a, a briefcase full of a million dollars to carry for them. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know. Speak a little bit, Dominic, about uh, you, know, you, you talked about those times you went to Japan and you've traveled the world with Bruno San Martino. But uh, what about here in Pittsburgh? I mean, I, I know that just in, in, in all the years I've known you, uh, you've been so protective of Bruno. Uh, even like if I would call and say, hey, I, I need to talk to Bruno about something, that you had a wall up to keep like his privacy and to keep him protected from that. Uh, uh, did you view Bruno like a brother? Uh, I mean, what was the connection there other than, I mean, obviously the wrestling, but uh, you guys, I think, were probably better friends outside of wrestling than you were in the business. Well, Troy, because Bruno was honest, okay? Yeah. He have something to tell you, he tell you. Uh, some, one time he said to me, he said, no, no, do that. That's not too good, you know. And it's true yep. what I was doing, okay? But uh, we got along good together, uh, very well. Uh, not just in the Pittsburgh or New York or anywhere else, but anywhere we were together, we were trusting each other and we doing a good thing. And we never, we never got drunk, mm. okay? Never. Of course, I'm telling you now. I don't know. Troy probably don't believe that, but uh, <laughs> I, I never. I, I drink, but I never, never, never get drunk, never. And I never will either. And I never drove. I never. I never got the uh, beer when I was driving. When I drive the car, because we drove a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, and Bruno was the same thing, man. If Bruno, I remember one time we go to from from Washington to Boston and then um, almost in Canada, uh, and I was driving. And Bruno said to me, "When you tire, I drive." And I said, "I'm thirsty." Well, he said, "No, no, no beer." Water, water, water. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's a fact. Kept on the straight, kept on the straight and narrow. Uh, Dominic, there was a picture that I saw uh, God, early on when I first met Bruno. Uh, he, he showed me a picture of him in a New York nightclub. It was a restaurant and nightclub. Uh, I'm guessing in the like, 1950, but he was sitting in the center of a booth and on both sides of him, he had some huge uh, sports legends, boxing, baseball, uh, some of the biggest names in the game at that time. Uh, are you familiar with the picture that I'm talking about? No, because that was, uh, no, at that time I was not there. In the 50, I was not in New York. Uh, but he was friends with the Franks and other, and I'm telling all what you talk about the, the club there, because we were there when uh, when I got to New York, I was there. Frank Sinatra one time sent somebody at, at the old garden, 
And he said to Bruno, he said, uh, you have to come stop to, uh, to the bar there. And and I was, he said, bring the boys. We were three or four going there. But at that time, early, no, that I, I can I can recall that because I was not there, you know. Yeah. Now, yesterday, uh, when Larry Richard was uh, doing his uh, eulogy, uh, talking about Bruno, he had mentioned something that I was I had never heard before uh, that Bruno San Martino had been offered a part in the uh, the now you know world famous. Uh, HBO series, The Sopranos. Uh, were you familiar with that, that he'd been offered a role in The Sopranos? I mean, Sopranos is like one of the seminal TV shows in TV history. Uh, yes, Were you did. familiar with that? Yeah, they told me one time, but I have no experience. He told me, they asked him a few times if we want to do this, if we want to do that. Because he was on TV, different thing a lot, but not. I can't tell you exactly because... That's a long time ago. I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah. When I, if, if I didn't see it, I can't tell you, you know. But he said one time, uh, what are they going to do and blah, blah, with the Frank Sinatra and something. Because they were friends, you know. It's, uh, well, the, bro, the only thing he didn't, he want, he said, I wish I could sing. <laughs> I said, I said you, sing, you sing like a bird. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, according to according to Larry Richard, the reason he turned the the, the uh, uh, Sopranos part down was uh, because uh, of the uh, profanity that was used and that was was going to be used in the show. And the reason that stuck out to me was, as I think back to you know the the number of times that I met Bruno, yeah. I can honestly say I never remember hearing Bruno San Martino use a curse word, not hell, not damn. Uh, no, no. I never, I never heard him swear. And there was a time of, when we had the Brian Hildebrand show down in Ross Traver. Uh, it was the only show that ever featured WWF, WCW, and ECW talent. Uh, you were there, and Bruno was there, and I was down at ringside uh, supervising the ring setup. And I see something moving quick out of the corner of my eye. I turn and look, and it's Cody Michaels, Mark Keenan, running down to ringside. And his eyes are wide open. And he said, you better get back here. I said, what's going on? He said, you better get back here right away. Bruno San Martino has Mark Madden pinned against the wall. So I took off running. And uh, (laughs) when I got back there, he he did. He had him pinned against the wall, but... There was no part of Bruno touching Mark Madden. It was like a force field between them. Mark had squeezed himself against the wall, and Bruno was so mad, his vein was bulging out of his neck, and his face was beat red, and, and he was, you know, you, 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 you piece of garbage, you don't even know me. And he's, but he, he wouldn't cuss. And the first thing I thought of was, I'd never seen somebody that mad not cuss. And I said, come on, Bruno, let one F-bomb fly. And he turned his head, and Mark Madden took off and ran, but I, that just to me speaks back to the to the class that we had talked about with Bruno, that he he didn't even cuss. No, he didn't cuss. But when he got mad, when he got really something, it, 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 it takes a lot of things to make him mad. But when he was mad, you better get out of there, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because he, he, he was a 
it was strong, you know. God, you know, I saw him. I saw him when he bench pressed 500 pounds in New York, and not. It was a uh, Tony Parisi, uh, Gilberto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were two guys each side. He said, "If I miss, you guys give me a break." But he did. He pushed that damn thing all the way up, like nothing. He was yeah. like a bull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a big man, good, strong man. But he died too young. What are you gonna do? Well, you're not talking about the business. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. uh, I was going to say, I'm going to welcome in. uh, Our our other partner, JP, has joined us on the line. So uh, next time you hear another voice chime in, it's going to be him. But I just wanted to to throw it out there uh, really quickly. You know, with Bruno, obviously, and I want to just kind of piggyback off of what Shane said about never hearing him curse. When Bruno was doing all the television appearances and speaking out against Vince McMahon, you could never see anybody more angry than he was at Vince at the time. So were you kind of surprised when they reconciled a few years back that he was able to kind of put those past indiscretions behind him and they were able to kind of move on and go forward? Well, the, the, the things when you do, if you're the boss and I'm the worker, uh if you're going to tell me to do something is bad, I will not do it. And Bruno, a lot of times, they got pissed off with Vince McMahon, okay? And mm. I know that, and I saw that, okay? But he never, never to say, well, I'm going to slap him or something. No, no. Just yeah. to say, I'm not going to do that, you know, because it's, a, it's always the point where you can stop. But he did, because one time he quit Vince McMahon, you know. He was very, very, very mad, and he quit. Mm. Uh, he quit for a little bit. Well, Were you surprised? Uh, were you surprised? If I was surprised? No, were you surprised no. when, when Bruno uh, finally reconciled and, and went ahead and accepted the uh, Hall of Fame? Were you surprised by that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm going to tell you something Bruno told me when he just started. He was in Indianapolis, and he didn't have no money to pay the hotel. And uh, when, uh, uh, but see, that's going to be on with <laughs> and uh, And the guy to the hotel... A night, the guy was working there. He saw that, and he said, the "Bruno said, come with me." And he took him downstairs and go sleep there, because Bruno was bought with the commission in California, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, and everything. And his boss did that. Okay, and you never forgive him. Never, never, never. He said that. That's what he did. He go to San Francisco, and Roy Shire said to him, he said, I'm sorry, but you just suspend him. I will suspend him. Well, his boss. Okay. And that was when Bruno, was that was, was when Bruno got blackballed in the business? Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. But he ended he, up getting... 
he ended up no, getting the last laugh. At, he ended up getting the last laugh in that though, right? Because a few years later, uh, the houses were down, the the, the, the oh, territory yeah. was not drawing, and they had yeah. to finally call Bruno back. Correct? Oh yes, yes, yes. That's true. That's a fact. But it, they double cross him twice. And he told me one time. He said, uh, "I have to, I catch the bus from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh." Because he couldn't afford the plane, because they they block him every, include Jim Barnett. Really? He's dead. Jim and, and he's dead, but I I should pee on his grave. But anyway, <laughs> so 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 Jim, I I never heard this story. Jim Barnett also blackballed Bruno. Yeah, because he was with with Vince. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And and Bruno told me they said they were all together. So yeah, he was at, at that time, my God when he was telling me he was sweating, you know. Said oh, I wanted like to you know, but uh, but then they come back, you know. they come back. And when when they go back when Roger was the champion Mm-hmm. He got the belt, and Bruno go have a match with him, and uh, Bruno beat him with the backbreaker. But I can't say why, how, because that's you can't say that. But yeah. I know exactly what well, what happened, you know. But I can't say that on you- camera. You know, were were you there that night, Dominic? No, 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 I was not. Because that, that's, that's one of those yeah, that's one of those big moments in wrestling history when when Bruno beat Nature Boy Buddy Rogers for the uh, for the title. Yeah. That was in New York City, correct? Uh, to the uh, to the Garden, the old Garden. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a what a what a huge piece of wrestling history. J, well, JP's with us here finally, and. Uh, uh, I'm sure you you have something you want to ask uh, my mentor and trainer and and uh, good friend Dominic Danucci. Yes, I wanted to say, you know, with Bruno, obviously there's a long lasting relationship, and you said you know Bruno doesn't curse, and obviously Dominic doesn't really curse that much. What are your thoughts on on Shane? Because Shane kind of has a uh, a very <laughs> a very bad mouth, and he's very oh yeah. Kind of, uh, Shane <laughs> Shane uh, Shane got pissed off sometimes. <laughs> uh, why don't you ask Shane when he started at, at the my gym in, in Freedom, Pennsylvania? <laughs> well, you but, know, uh, they're, they're... that they're was in the garage. Now. Huh? Yeah. No, that I, was, I, I, was in a garage when I got the ring in the garage. It was yeah, 9 o'clock at night. It was just me and him. And we try, I tried to teach him to do a backflip. You remember that? I do. I remember very well. That backflip, you grab the rope, and I hold the arm on the other side of the brick, and you, we did three or four times, we couldn't do it. Uh, then all of a sudden, you did and he said, if he probably remember, he, Troy said to me, he said, oh, yeah, good, that's to do it again. I said, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> you did, you did once. 
Wait to tomorrow <laughs> because if, if you do once and then you do the second time and you fall in your head, then you discourage. Yeah. And you have you have to start all over again. But he did. He said, "Okay." He said, "We'll do tomorrow." <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that yeah. that was when you had your ring set up in your barn. In the uh, barn, yeah, on, yeah. On on your yeah. farm. Now, yeah. for for the fans listening, I just want to give some, you know, because this is listening just sound and not not visual. But uh, his barn uh, had, you know, it's just an old fashioned barn like you'd see on the side of the road. There were two or three inches between the boards, uh, and it, it oh, was yeah, wintertime yeah. when I yeah. started training. There was, was snow cold. blowing through there. It was freezing cold, <laughs> wind blowing through. And, uh, but that, that was the one thing. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast and Dominic, you can verify for me. Cause I say, I, I say this almost weekly on the podcast. Uh, the very first thing you taught us, taught me and anybody that came to your gym was to take care of the opponent you're working with that rule. Number one being safety. And yes, you yes, drilled yes, that yes. in, you drilled it into us every single week. And if you saw one of us doing something silly or stupid or not safe, you would jump in immediately and say, no, yeah. no, no, and, and yeah, correct yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, what it see, did to me when, when I learned that to the amateur. That's, and then when I turned, uh, started the professional, the, the, the one who was in charge, he was in the Olympic in 1915 in uh, London. And... Uh, so that's I learned there, and so that teach the, when I got the gym. I, I remember all that, and I was teaching the boys like that, you know. Yeah. You, share share a little bit, Dominic, of a story you told me uh, that I I had never known uh, until just recently. Uh, the the, con, the the discussions that you had with not only my parents, my mom and dad, but with uh, Mick Foley's mom and dad. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I saw Mickey Foley in uh, Long Island. We wrestled there. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, mom and dad was there. So they come to me and they said, can you come to my house tomorrow? And uh, he said, I want to talk to my son. I said, okay, I'll come. We make some coffee, we talk. And they told me he's so want to be a, wrestler and oh and that time when he jumped to the garage on the sidewalk <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was telling me and, and they showed me the garage and i i didn't say nothing to the, their mom and dad but inside i said well god he jumped over there he must be good <laughs> but anyway and and he said you're gonna teach him but tell him to go to the college to finish the school. So I did. Mm-hmm. I told, you know. And then I did the same thing, but but you, your mom and dad said the same thing. They came in at the gym and they said, uh, come to our house tomorrow. So I go there and they said, said, can you tell Troy to finish the college and you will train him? And I said, I tell him. But I don't guarantee sometimes. I said, well, yes, I, I will. So I did. I told you. And I told him, too. So I, I remember was, that. Yeah, you sure remember. You were a kid, but uh, 
uh, I was not a kid. I've been through a lot of things already. <laughs> well, I, re- I, I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, you 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 talking about that, and then just recently, you you telling me about how my mom and dad came out to to your house, and yeah, you, you yeah. pointed out in the driveway, and I had you know, now my mother, I could see doing this. My dad was very much more of a private person, and yeah. so when you told me that, I was shocked because I I I vividly remember you saying that you wouldn't train me until I went to college. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I had no idea until just recently you telling me that my mother and father had come and and, and asked you to, to to tell me that. So it's, uh, yeah. after all these years, you've been holding out on me, Dominic. Well, you've been holding yeah, out on yeah. me for 40 years. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do, you know? But I did my job. My boys, yeah, I, I, my my boys, a lot of the guys uh, did pretty well, you know. Not everybody made like you and, and uh, the other one in New York, but some other Mickey, guys, you know. Yeah. I will. Though. I will do it again. Well, that's. I mean, that's a Me? great track record, though, because if you talk about wrestling history. You know, and, and past the, your, your generation, Dominic, I mean, when we think of John and I growing up and, and watching wrestling throughout the 80s and the 90s, you know, two of the yeah. guys that we would go to are your, your students, Mick Foley and, and Shane Douglas. I mean, you've got, in, in your hands, you trained two of what would be the greatest modern era workers or wrestlers or entertainers, whatever it was. You know, you obviously taught them the right way, and Shane constantly uh, hits us with that every single time we talk about you is that you trained him the right way. And you can see in turn how Shane then talked with uh, younger talent and people asking him that he gives them the respect yeah. that you demanded from them. And that's really cool yeah. to see still to this day. But, uh, but the thing is, I'm proud to that they're doing okay. You know what I mean? They're doing like Shane Douglas. And of course, he, he jumped the the fans in the Pittsburgh and he killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they have the experience if they want to teach somebody else, you know. Uh, it's true, you know. This, uh, but I was look. I, I got the teach me. The guy teach me was in Olympic, and uh, I listened one day. It was a French guy, and he said to me, he "said uh, I've been in Olympic." Uh, this what we're gonna do. If you cannot do that, why you go somewhere else? The first day, and I said no, I can do anything you say. So I did. I did it. I won for the tournament to go to Australia in 1956. And when the next that- morning, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, tell us, tell the story that that you told me. Uh, uh, a couple months ago, about uh, your father stopping you from going to prison. What what was it you were doing, and why were you doing it? What, what did your What did your father have oh, to stop oh, you from oh, doing? Yeah. I go the Fourth of July, the first time I go back in Italy. I go in the summertime, uh, and we we go eat to my sister, and it was another village where you can walk. You know, it was no no big deal. Half an hour walk, you were there. Now, was a guy came in from Argentina, uh, and my was a third cousin. He was in Argentina. They came in together, 
So they came in over here to see my dad and see me and blah, blah. And the guy come from Argentina. Now we were on the second floor after we eat and everything. And it was about 15 steps there to go outside. When you go outside, you go right on the sidewalk because that was a village. You got the road and uh, the sidewalk, you know, the old fashioned way. Uh, he said to me, he said, oh, yeah. He said, I know Rock Argentina, blah, blah. You know, he said, uh, he's very popular, you know. But then, then all of a sudden, he said, well, you know, the, the wrestling is all fake. Well, he didn't finish. He didn't finish the saying. I got him for the throat with my left hand, <laughs> and I'm on top. Of, I'm I'm about five feet from the step. It was probably twelve step, eleven step. I don't know. It was higher. Not going to push him down the step. And my father was talking to somebody standing there with the glass of wine in their hand. They were drinking and talking. You know. And he said, he screamed at me. He said, Dominic! Oh, shit, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and uh, so I let it go. And the guy go in the bathroom because he was coughing because I squeezed his his throat with (laughs) my left hand. I I was pushing him down the step. And I was stupid to do that. But my father said to me, when he see so the guy left to go to the bathroom there, and he said, remember, he said, remember who you are. He said, you don't go to jail for an idiot. He said, because he's an idiot. But to say that, you know what I mean? But it was young people, you know. He said, we don't know better. And you're going to go to jail for him? <laughs> well, I opened my eyes and my hair stepped up a little bit. <laughs> so I, I never did again. <laughs> well, I, I remember meeting your dad, Dominic, when we went over there in 1988. Uh, you took a 1988 in the room, yeah. yeah. With Antonio Noki. And yep. your yep. dad was, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was 83 years old at the time. Yes, and yes was out there dancing, you know, all night long, uh, drinking a little wine, talking to oh, all yeah, the girls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was very much a, a very vibrant older yeah. gentleman. You know, yeah. Yeah, but my, my father, my father was in, a, in, a, in the army. It was in a war and everywhere, you know. He, yeah. he, knew, the, he knew the road, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, where did your size come from? Because, and your family members that I met when I was over there, as I remember, like your dad wasn't a very big guy. Uh, your 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 other family members that were there, as I remember, were like you were by far the biggest person in the family. Uh, where did that size come from in your family? I think we eat some tomato. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we all. Uh, well, my dad was was six foot, you know. Uh, yeah. But my mom not. Uh, probably my mom was five feet some somewhere, you know. But I don't know. But in a generation, my grandfather and, and my father brother, he left to, to go in the army in the night 
41, he never come back. He was six foot two, you know. Mm. Uh, it was uh, was some in the family. My grandmother was tall. Mm. My my grandmother was very tall. Yes, I took with I think I took after her. Now you know we 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 started talking Dominic about Bruno San Martino and something you were just saying popped into my head, uh, and I think it it speaks back again to to just Bruno's class and and the type of person that he was. Uh, I had done an interview back when I was in ECW. I had done an yeah. interview and talking about uh, Ric Flair, and I said uh, the, something along the lines of comparing Ric Flair's generation with your and Bruno's generation, I said, you know, Bruno's generation passed the torch and Ric Flair's generation has refused to do that. We've had to fight to get it. Uh, the very next day, the the, the, the the article couldn't have even been published yet. And the very yeah, next yeah. day, I get a phone call at my house in New Brighton from Bruno San Martino. And as soon as I answered the phone, he, he said his... You know, of course, he called me Troy. He said, I want to talk to Troy. I said, this is, this is him, uh, Bruno. And he said, uh, I got a question to ask you. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, did you say that my generation refused to pass the torch? And and I, if, he caught me off guard for a second. I was thinking, and I realized the, the interview I'd done the day before. And I said, yeah, oh, no, no, Bruno. I said, what, what I said when I clarified to him what I said, I said, what I said was, your generation passed it, and flares had refused. And now most people, being that mad, especially today, would say, "Oh, you're just saying that to get out of the, you know, to keep, to avoid the heat or whatever." But I think yeah, Bruno yeah. knew me well enough that when I told him that, he said, "I didn't think that sounded like you." And then like, we talked for another two hours past that. But uh, you know, I, I've never had to give less explanation than I did to Bruno whenever I, you know, explained to him what I had said as compared yeah, to what yeah. he was told I had said. And and that always yeah, struck yeah. me because, you know, most people, like I said today, me included, would probably say, ah, oh, bullshit, you're lying. You're trying to get out of the heat or whatever, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've always remembered that but day. Because, talking to Troy, because, because a lot of the, the, the people, the fans, and, and, and some smart person will say, oh, the Russian is fake, and that Bruno will turn red like a like a rooster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, I, well, I was doing the same thing. When, and and, and uh, in Boston, I must go to jail because the guy said, oh, the Russian is all fake outside and inside. And I hit him. I hit him right in the chin, and he hit to the wall, and, and then bleeding, and and the police said, well, Ooh. get out of here, he said. But to me, he said, go to the hotel <laughs> before somebody comes. But so, anyway, Dominic, your generation, your, your and Bruno's generation was renowned for protecting the kayfabe of the business. Uh, you know, we know that, you know, how the business has been exposed uh, and, you know, the, the, all the, you know, where the business has gone and, and since that exposition of, of of the kayfabe of the business. Uh, talk about that a little bit about what the importance of kayfabe in the industry and, uh, you know, what you think the, the lack of it today has meant to the industry. Okay. But the, the, what was before in the 
60s, and today is two different things because they change they change the maneuver with the wrestling. They don't call the wrestling anymore. Right. You know, at that time, the wrestling was respect more because you see a wrestling. The people uh-huh. watching television, include Channel 11 when I came in here in the 70s, the wrestling was a wrestling. That's what I learned. Learn. Right. That's what they teach me. When you wrestle amateur, they teach you the wrestling. When you go professional, you respect that thing because it's not it's not true. You you you, you never got hurt. You know that's baloney. Right. Every right. night something happened, and when mm-hmm. somebody comes to you and they say, "Well, that's fake," what are you gonna do? You gonna kill them right yeah. there? <laughs> you know, yeah. go, you don't want to go to jail, but just to say, uh, that and that time was respect. Was a more respect for the wrestling for the wrestler respect to the wrestling today is not because doing so many things and not supposed to do well that that picture that picture that I spoke about earlier with with uh, Bruno at the nightclub or restaurant uh, uh, the, as I recall in that picture Bruno San Martino is sitting in the center of the photo and yeah. sitting around him is Sugar Ray Robinson, the boxer, Jackie Robinson, the baseball player, Mickey Mantle, and Joe DiMaggio. And, I mean, these are four of the most iconic names in sports history. And I I vividly remember the picture in my head. You can tell by the faces in the picture that they're all thrilled to be sitting with the world wrestling champion, Bruno San Martino. Bruno was there. he, He was the star in that picture, with these four legendary names from boxing and baseball sitting around them. Yeah. Because you got the name and you got the body. Because uh, you look like a bull, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you look You look at this Bruno neck from the most of the, the neck go all the way under this year. The, the look, it's scary. <laughs> you just look at him, you know. Um not, I mean, scared, but you see, and, and the people that they have, on that time, they, they have respect for everything. And these mm. people there, they like Bruno because he weighed 275 pounds, looked like a bull. Yeah. It was, it was a little different. But today, because they see other things, the wrestling mm. is different, you know. Sports uh, entertainment uh, is different. Yeah, because today is not a it's not, it's not called wrestling anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that. And at my age, I don't really, I don't like them. I don't like that yeah. bullshit. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well so, said. So see, right. for, yeah. so for for all the fans out there that think that like. Shane Douglas just picked up this cussing somewhere along the line. I think we just heard a little, uh, a little, <laughs> you can start to point the finger a little bit here, but, uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to no, get the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm not going to add that goes straight through. When I have to say something, I'll say it. That's the way it is. I'm not going to say, Oh, well, no, like this, like that. No, it's a bullshit. And I tell you, Oh yeah. It's all this. 
it's all you know. Dominic, do you remember? Do you remember the commercial back in the 1970s? Uh, here in Pittsburgh, there's a, a local brewery called the Pittsburgh Brewing Company to make a beer called Iron City yeah. and Iron City Light. And yeah. Bruno did a commercial uh, for Iron City beer. And uh, the, the one thing I can remember about the commercial, at the very end of the commercial, uh, Bruno's got his arms crossed, like folded. And yeah, yeah. There's, a can, there's a can of beer sitting on his chest. And back then... The Iron City beer, uh, the one thing that was noteworthy about the, the product as, as packaging was that the cans, unlike most beer cans that were like really flimsy aluminum, the, yeah, the yeah. Iron City cans came in a hard steel can. And they had that beer sitting on his chest with his arms folded. And at the end, he said something like, and the cans are almost as tough as me. Do you remember that commercial? I know if I say... Yes, I remember. Then I lie because I don't remember. <laughs> well, don't the reason I bring, the, the reason I asked that is I'd asked Bruno. You talk about him being built like a bull and how thick he was. I had asked him one time after I'd met him about that commercial, and of course he remembered it. And I said, "Did they, did they like stick that on your chest? Like was there like tape or glue or something on your chest holding that can in place?" And he he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, "No, they just had it on my chest." You know, that's how fit. he had this, he had literally a shelf for a chest. Uh, and that can, according to Bruno, was just sitting yeah. on his chest as they filmed that commercial. Well, you got, they didn't, Bruno, did they have a boobs or big? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if Bruno was sick, have to work out. Because he, but yeah. he was big, because... You're going to put a, a, a bottle on the top or can. It can be easy right on top of this boob if they stay there. <laughs> yeah, right. that's because they didn't have that, that big boobs there. You just put the can on top. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Dominic, boy, uh, a couple yeah. months ago, I was shocked to see that you had gone to the dark side with Shane, and you actually turned heel with him at a uh, Bobby Fulton show over in Ohio. I was shocked to see that. How did Shane convince you to finally, you know, go to the dark side and uh, see his way of things? Now, now we have to repeat that because I missed the part. Go ahead. A couple say again. Ago, a couple months ago at, a, um, at, a, at an indie show with Bobby Fulton, Shane actually convinced you to, you know, basically go to the dark side and you turn into a heel or you turn into a bad guy. How did Shane convince you to do that? Well, that's a Troy fault. <laughs> blame it on me. No. It's, it's, I have to blame him, yes, because he made him a do. <laughs> See, now, uh, this is what... I don't, I don't like that. To uh, <laughs> uh, because I never did. Because I was too nice looking, you know, so I couldn't be a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my recollection of that night, though, is you know you weren't even advertised on the show. Uh, you just rode out with me and uh, to spend the day. And when we walked into the building. You know, the, the fans, 
quickly lined up. Uh, they wanted to come meet Dominic Danucci, the, the, the guy that they had grown up watching, and the, yeah. the guy I, I, I'm seeing a resurgence lately in in, in wrestling uh, that the fans are beckoning back to what the industry used to be. They they want to see, you know, everybody around the world this week is talking about Bruno's passing, and they want it, they, the reason being they have such a strong affinity and love of what wrestling used to be. Uh, yeah. And I saw that when, when you walked into that show with me, and we saw it this week, uh, you know, both at the funeral home and at the church yesterday with Bruno, uh, all over the television, local television in Pittsburgh here this week, uh, talking about Bruno. Uh, yeah. There's such a strong connection of the industry that you guys represented uh, that I was fortunate enough to step into afterwards but the industry that when you talk to an average wrestling fan, when they talk about wrestling, they typically talk about that generation, you know, your that generation. generation. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. Now, now you speak clear. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. You, you, because I see so many things a different country, different state. But I never see what I saw today. Uh, the television. I don't... I don't. Sometimes when the TV come up, I just um, put the cartoon on. I don't want to watch well, it. Dominic, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of those big iconic matches and angles of Bruno's career. Uh, the one that immediately pops into my head is uh, Bruno San Martino and his protege Larry Zabisco. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, a, a the build up. I remember it being a long build up uh, on a shoot, uh, meaning for real. Yeah, Bruno yeah. San Martino he he had trained Larry Whistler, right? Right. Yes. Yes. And, and he was you know, Larry was a he was not a big man, but he could mm -hmm. wrestle. Yeah, but uh, when he wrestled with Bruno in New York, and they were in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, and where else? Uh, Vince McMahon. They are twenty policemen, ten on one side, and ten on the other side, and Larry have to walk right between. Yeah, because they want to kill him. Right. Uh, he was a because plus because Bruno broke me in the business, trained a little bit, mm -hmm. and then it turned against him. That's what the fan the one to kill him. And I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, but I saw that with my own eyes, and also I saw one time when with the Spiro Arion, the Greek, they yes. did the same thing. It was more police. I think it was 15 each side. And Spiro have to walk in the middle. And, the, and uh, who was the manager there? The old man. Blasi? Uh, Blasi. Because Blasi the one to kill him too. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's what they were doing. You know, they put the police out. Because if not, they couldn't walk in. And yeah. I mean, that's a serious thing, you know. But sure. In the front of the building, at the, especially the old garden, was more people outside than not inside. 
It was so loud they couldn't come in. Yeah. They looked through the window and everything else. You know, that's 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 what you talk about the wrestling, that's the way it was. Yeah. Well I, re- I, mean, I remember yeah. what with the with the Larry Zabisco angle, I remember yeah. as a kid watching that and, and uh the night that he finally attacked Bruno with the chair. Yeah, uh, it yeah. had been much longer than a year. It was a long, long buildup, and you kept expecting during that time for Larry to turn on him, and he wouldn't. And yeah, just yeah. when you just when you finally figured he's never going to do it, he hit Bruno with that chair. And I remember, like the next day at school, that's all everybody in school was talking about. Did you, yep, did you see yep. what happened in wrestling? Larry yeah. Zabisco attacked Bruno with a chair, and. I mean, that was a big, big deal. And, you know, like in Pittsburgh, we grew up with Roberto Clemente and Terry Bradshaw and uh, Liz right, Swan yeah. and Franco Harris. And Bruno San Martino was as big a piece of that Pittsburgh lore as any of those sports legends, uh, oh, yeah. if not bigger. Yes, yes. You're 100% right. Uh, it was a good days. Uh, the The... the well, Look, when when you when Bruno San Martino started working out, and because he told me he was going to the YMCA in Pittsburgh and uh, and work out and work out and work out with the weight, and uh, because he was skinny, and and then when he got big, well, uh, I remember when somebody told me you should go to wrestling because he was telling me I didn't know that. And he said, well, I have to learn somewhere. And, it, and uh, they teach him a little bit, but he didn't get a lot of, in other words, not a year to train to go with the wrestling. Because he didn't have to, because he was so big and he was so strong. Uh, when he got the good people weighed the 300 pounds, he couldn't take him like nothing. He was like a bull. What about? I'm sorry. What about the uh, the Pedro Morales match? The uh, what was the uh, the business story behind that? What was the necessity to have Bruno San Martino wrestle Pedro Morales in the Shea Stadium? Well, they figured there's a lot of Puerto Rican in New York, mm-hmm. a lot right. of Italian, and others who like, but they, they was good. You know, and that's that's the day. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know, should say that. <laughs> well, I mean, they, uh, from a, from that a was business. the people like him, but yeah. the people like him, but they didn't like him. But it was yeah. so loud. That thing was so loud completely. From, and that's when. That's when when when. Uh, Oh boy, the I'll house quit. Was, the house has been quit. down, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, even though Pedro was was well liked and and was a draw, they had built the, the the company previous to that. They had built it around Bruno San Martino, and he was so popular yep. that when he lost the belt, the house was had dropped. Yep, yep, yes. And that was and that was the need to bring him back to have him wrestle Pedro. And by all accounts, I remember watching the match. It was an incredible match. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I believe longer than an hour, uh, yeah. which by today's standards is is unheard of. But no, because uh, they, both they of them, 
Yeah, both good wrestler. You know, it was it was yeah. good. It was. Um, Pedro was uh, was because he was champion when won, mm-hmm. and he was very popular too with his own people. Uh, right. And Bruno was good with Puerto Rican and other people and the Thaian and, and anybody would like him. Yeah. People like and that's why the now the people want to see because they were a too good one what's gonna happen. And that's mm. where they go, you know. But they were cheered for Bruno anyway. <laughs> I was cheering for Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> senior, senior, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's when I lost. It was my fault, but I accept. I made the mistake. Uh, so uh, I don't regret that. But I don't want to say a bad thing because it's not nice. But <laughs> no, it's true, you know. You know, and, uh, but anyway, there was um, to me for a little while. Came in from Italy, a nineteen eighteen and a half years old. Uh, I no regret what I did. Wrong. Uh, Because I got an education to travel, to see the other country, other people, and uh, you know, in Australia, uh, we draw one time eighty-five thousand people, and where they playing soccer. Uh, so you know, that's nice to remember uh, things like that. You know, as. So. I never see so many people there. Unbelievable. Dominic, um, I still get people to this day. Uh, in fact, I just had a, a woman at WrestleCon uh, tell me. In fact, I forgot to tell you this. Uh, she has videotapes of some of the matches that you had in Australia back then that you thought had, had been lost forever. And she's promised to bring them back. I'm supposed to see her in July. And, uh, but she had told me about, you know, what a big imprint you had left, uh, in, in not only Australia, but in wrestling in general, you know, it's, uh, even though a lot of the younger fans listening to this today don't remember, they can go back on YouTube and go back and watch the guy named Dominic Danucci that became a five-time world tag team champion in the old WWF, uh, And, and and the things that you had done in traveling the roads uh, with Bruno San Martino and all yes, those legendary yes. names from that from that time frame. Yeah. I, like I said, um, I will never compete with Bruno. I will never gonna do that what he did because he was a different type of uh, man. But he got over not just New York or he got over all over the world, and yeah. because of, because in Europe, in the Middle East, and everywhere, I see the magazine in 1988 when I went to Rome, in the Greece, I see the magazine when 
when was the, the, the wrestling was in a magazine, was on television like today. Mm-hmm. The magazine from New York where, that it was everywhere. I saw him, I saw him in London in the magazine with Bruno on. Yeah. But the people, the people like him just when you see him with a neck look like a bull. Yeah. Um, but uh, not now is the television is different. But at that time, that's where it was the magazine because from New York. Uh, matter of fact, I just saw one the other day. Somebody gave it to me. I think got Bruno picture there. Mm. Uh, and I said, "How old is this thing?" Oh, he said, "I was in Greece." And I said, "I, I, I bought him over there. It was on a, where they're selling the paper there." Yeah, and that's fifty years ago. <laughs> yeah, Almost, <laughs> you know, yeah. So that's a different, you know. Today's a television. You do something today here, and the the whole world know what's happening. At that time, not. You go the television state by state. You know, uh, Pennsylvania was not going to New York, or New York was not going to Europe. Right. Now go everywhere, you know. So probably it's easy. I don't know, but uh, I'm too old now to. <laughs> hey, hey, Dominic. Before we, uh, we're going to kind of get into the the wrapping portion of the show. But what I do when we have our other show that we don't do with Shane, we kind of go through some of the favorite matches. So uh, I think we're going to hand it over to JP here, and he's going to do it with a little Bruno San Martino flavor. So JP, the floor is yours, buddy. Okay. Well, Dominic, okay. I'm just curious. I know you've seen with Bruno a lot, and you know you had some matches. Do you have a favorite, maybe a tag team match that you had together with Bruno, or, or a favorite match you had with Bruno San Martino? Uh, you mean a tag team? Yes. Not single. I never wrestled Bruno. Yes, tag team. You know what I mean? Not to wrestle one on one. No, we're wrestling a tag team. Yes, you know. Uh, but. Uh, I will respect him, not because he's gone, but I respect him then because he was, besides that, I couldn't beat him. He was, he chewed me up like nothing. Because he, <laughs> when he went to the 275, he scared you when he come close to you, you know. But uh, uh, we wrestled many times at high team, you know. Uh, but uh, I never did... Uh, fool around with him, I wouldn't try. And Do you I'll have some favorite too. tag team matches that you guys had together? A tag team match? Well, uh, one time was Kowalski and Andre the Giant. Uh, it was... <clears throat> was <laughs> every time I was in trouble, I'd tag him. And I said, you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But was was a fun, not fun, because no such thing you can say was a fun. Was was good, but was four guys. Actually, three guys was bigger than me. I was a, I was a skinny one, you know, between them. But but sometimes you have to take not a lot of fun. You you work, you wrestle. You know, wrestle between you, you and the other. So that's good. It's just a wrestling fan watching that. So you work hard. You have to. 
you know, make a funny thing. You used to wrestle, and at that time was wrestling, not like today. It was wrestling. But anyway, uh, I need a beer now. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, so are you guys done? Hello? Yeah, we're just about to we're just about to enter the uh, the, the roundabout here, and, and as we kind of we talked a lot about Bruno, we talked a lot about your career. It's been really cool to be able to speak with you about it, and especially in such a sensitive time. So I, I got to give you all the respect in the world for sharing all the stories with us, but. When you think about what fans are going to remember about Bruno San Martino, when you tell us all these wonderful stories about him, what do you think his imprint is on wrestling? And we say wrestling's living legend. Obviously now he's no longer with us, but obviously the legacy lives on. But what do you think fans will always remember about Bruno San Martino, really the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling? Well, you have to, sir, you have to put him this way. The young generation don't know him. You never see I mean... <clears throat> I'm talking about it. You take the people that are 15 years old, they don't know. But the old generation, they remember him very, very, very well. Because I know every day they're talking about it, they're asking me what, how long you knew him, when you saw him, how many you wrestled. But the people that are 50 years old or 60 years old, but you take the young generation, they don't know nothing. Uh, if the kids, you take the kids that are 15 years old, they don't know Bruno San Martin, they don't know Danucci. Because they watch another thing. But the old generation, that's the one that respect the old things, the wrestling. If I'm wrong, I don't know. But that's the way I see you. Yeah. Absolutely. Shane, you know, do you have any final thoughts here with uh, with Dominic before we wrap up about Bruno? Well, just the only thing I, I, I want to add to this is uh, I, 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 not that I needed to see it because I, I, I've, I've known the reverence and the love and respect that you've had for Bruno over all the decades that I've known you. But i got to tell you, it was it was heartbreaking for me yesterday to sit and see you watching your friend uh, being placed in the back of the hearse. Uh, and just to see the anguish and agony uh, on, on your face, Dominic, I, I, it was heartbreaking to me and, and, and Mark and your daughter and son-in-law uh, yeah. to stand in there and watch it. But I thought very poignant uh, to show that two men who had such an impact on the wrestling industry during their careers could have that kind of friendship and, and, and reverence. And I'm sure, you know, that, that if it were turned around, Bruno would be standing there doing the same thing uh, that you did. And I, I thought it spoke volumes, although it broke my heart. I thought it was very eloquent to see yeah, you standing uh, there and giving your friend that send-off, Dominic. Yes. Uh, but thank you. Uh, that's, but that's, that's the way I felt. Uh, that's the way I feel. And I still right. feel that way. But um, anyway. Why? Hey, even though I've known uh, you all these years, Dominic, I want to thank you for coming on our, our show tonight because I know it's, it's late for you, but I know that you wanted to get a chance to talk about Bruno, and uh, thank you so much for sharing all, all these great stories with us tonight. All right. Anytime, my boys, anytime. Thank okay. you, Dominic. We appreciate it. We're, gonna, we definitely, we're ready to pick your brain down the road about Shane, so be ready. <laughs> all right. 
Okay, thank you very much. Have Have a great great night. everybody. Take care. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, so we're back here in real time on the Triple Threat Podcast, and obviously this is a great departure uh, from even what we were planning of just talking about Bruno and Shane. I mean, on the, on the surface, uh, I said to John, I said, you know, I, I think we could get a good hour uh, out of just talking to you about Bruno and your experiences and interactions, but you being able to deliver Dominic tonight was absolutely uh, amazing, and, and to do this tonight it was such a treat. And I personally, I know John, we just we want to thank you for doing this tonight because this was so awesome and such a great addition to what was already going to be a special show. Well, there was, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, I won't lie, there's there's a little selfishness in this because, uh, like I said at the end of the uh, talk there with Dominic, it was heartbreaking to see me stand, to see, for me to see him standing there yesterday and 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 experiencing what he was experiencing. Uh, that uh, I, I thought after we realized that we were going to do this show on Bruno, we announced last week, it just popped in my head earlier tonight, why in the world not have Dominic? I mean, who better to speak about Bruno San Martino than Dominic Danucci? And when I called him and asked him, he, he was immediate. He said, oh, absolutely, please. Uh, you know, he got a chance to come on and, and, and talk about that. And, uh, and I think it's cathartic for, for Dominic to do that. You know, it's uh, – it was, it, was, it was very tough to see that yesterday, and, and uh, you know, not as sad as it was, uh, you know, heartbreaking as it was, there was also, uh, you know, a display of love there that you, you rarely see in the wrestling industry. Uh, I've seen it almost never. Uh, so that's why I thought it would be so perfect to have Dominic on tonight to talk about Bruno, to, to share some of that and convey some of that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I thought it was the perfect time to have him on. Uh, it, it was absolutely perfect. And John, you you get you didn't get a chance to join us till about three quarters of the way through. So you're going to be listening just like the listeners are for the first half of the show. But just from what you were able to hear, what Dominic had to say, you know, what did you think about the the emotion and the passion you could hear in his voice when he was telling the stories about Bruno? Just from this little snippet that you were able to join in and listen on. I think it's great that you can have a friend for that long a period of time and be able to connect with him so well and obviously share the same passion for wrestling and just, you know, just have that bond forever and ever and, and to kind of talk about his passing and, and, you know, losing that friend. I know it's been a rough year for Dominic, but it's pretty amazing that he's able to speak about Bruno so eloquently and then come on our show was great and uh, even uh, say some funny things about Shane, which is always good. <laughs> uh, you guys have him on your show. He'll, he'll definitely uh, have a a lot more things to say about me, but it was, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, I, I've got such a respect and love for this guy that he is as genuine a deal as he comes across uh, as disarming and low key. Uh, he's got no airs about him whatsoever. I mean, Dominic is just another guy, you know, and, and uh, that's the way he's always portrayed himself to us, you know, me and Mick and Cody Michaels and, all the guys, Mark Hilde, Brian Hildebrand, Mark Curtis, uh, all the guys that had come through his school, uh, that's the way Dominic was then. That's the way he's always been. And I think the part of the most perfect story that I can tell to exemplify that is uh, my, I was moving my mother uh, one time uh, b- before I went on the road, before night, this would have been around 84, 85, uh, before I went to the UWF. And he called me up, and we were talking, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting ready to move my mother today, and 
uh, you know, I was moving her from one apartment to another apartment, and uh, we hung up. Well, about 15 minutes later, up pulls Dominic in his work clothes. You know, he's got his uh, he's got his weight belt on because he's going to be picking up heavy furniture, and uh, you know, he's not asked, not invited, not requested to be there. He just showed up because he knew that somebody needed help being moved and moving furniture, and and he showed up. That that was Dominic. You know, that is Dominic. That's the kind of person that he is, and uh, I feel blessed to have been trained by him and to know him and call him my friend. Uh, I really enjoy sitting and talking to him. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we'll be on the road here this coming summer for the Legends of the Ring uh, convention, uh, uh, the big event convention, I believe. And then I, there's another one in upstate New York that's not a wrestling convention. I think it's a, like a, uh, some other kind of convention, but we'll be at that. And, you know, I, for any of the fans listening, if you get a chance, you know, these guys are the guys that, we all grew up watching to get a chance to come out and meet him and say hello to them and take a picture with them, get an autograph from them and share some stories with them. Uh, it, it's stuff like that, that, you know, Dominic and all these guys live for at this stage. You know, they, they love hearing fans tell them about, you know, that time they went with their grandfather or their grandmother or their mother or father or their best friend, uh, in, in the garden in Allentown and Pittsburgh civic arena, wherever, uh, they they love hearing those stories, so by all means come out and and share those with Dominic, and and I guarantee you're going to get a hell of a story back. Um, sure, Jay, he's so with it. He's got great details still. I mean, to to be reliving you know stories from his youth in, in Italy, and then to talk about Bruno and the traveling in such great detail. I mean, that was so cool, and, and such a again. Just thank you so much for bringing him to the show, and we're actually. We are going to be bringing him to the two-man power trip uh, eventually to promote Legends of the Ring in, in a few weeks. So you kind of jumped the gun, but it's great to talk about Bruno. And we've actually we've done that a few times when we've done our Dusty Rhodes tribute specials. We've had guests come on just to talk about one specific person. And sometimes you think on paper it may be hard to sculpt a full episode out of talking about one specific person, but when you realize how much you actually can get out of one person and talking about one topic, especially when it's their friend. I mean, the episode writes itself. I and mean, this is a, that's such a cool little thing you are able to add tonight. Well, to be honest with you, when I looked at the run sheet earlier, I thought it looked like a great itinerary. And it was about halfway through the show that I, I, I finally looked down because we were just, just sitting and BSing with, with Dominic about stories he experienced. And I realized that we had barely scratched on any of the things that we had had preset to talk about during the show. Uh, but to me, yeah. that's, that's what I, I think these kind of shows are the best for, you know, especially at a time like this after, you know, a huge name legend like Bruno San Martino passing is to get it straight from, you know, like the old cliche says from the horse's mouth, a guy that had known Bruno traveled with Bruno wrestled with Bruno, you know, had been there from, from, you know, the, through the decades with Bruno. So I I would dare say there are a few people on the planet that are more uh, uh, able to discuss Bruno San Martino and and, and his wrestling career than Dominic DiNucci. That's right. And and one more time, I just want to bring John back in for one more thing before we get into our wrap-up. We were able to interview Bruno in September 2016, and sometimes I feel fortunate and sometimes I feel unfortunate that when somebody does pass away that we interviewed, 
I like to pull the final question that I ask, and that always is what the legacy is that's left in professional wrestling. You just heard me ask Dominic what he thought Bruno's legacy hmm. was. Well, we were able to yeah. ask that to Bruno. So, John, you know, your whole process of getting Bruno on the show was a story in itself of calling him and leaving messages and calling him and leaving messages, and then you guys kind of talking back and forth. But being able to get the endorsement of Bruno in the clip, and Shane, I sent you the clip too, so you got to hear it. But yeah. we were able to, to attain a semi-endorsement from Bruno, and, and it means the world to us. But, John, what did you hear when hearing that clip that I sent you? Like, what did you think about that and, and how that whole interview came about and how special it was to have those words shared with us by, uh, you know, wrestling's greatest legend, Bruno San Martino? Well, looking back, I was just shocked. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like him to say that about it, and then he passed on, and it kind of adds a little bit more meaning. But he really put us over strong, and I was kind of shocked by it. But I know I know, we do our due diligence, and we've been watching wrestling since 1985. So, I mean, it's been a while. We do know our stuff. But, you know, it was just crazy hearing it from somebody that's literally on the uh, Mount Rushmore wrestling. A wrestling god like that is crazy. And the experience with him getting him on, it was crazy. I basically kind of was cold calling him. And I would leave a message and hear back, leave him a message. You know, I didn't hear back. Then I finally got him for a little bit. He was so humble, so friendly, talking, asking mm. me, kind of just kind of trying to figure out who I was and what I, you know, what I wanted and sure. you, know, what, you know, what we were all about, things like that. It was you know, very old school, obviously, him, you know, old, of an older guy. But he was trying to, like, build a little bit of, of trust, a little bit of rapport, um, and then I remember the the time before we got the interview, we probably talked twice on the phone, and then all of a sudden I'm leaving a voicemail, and I guess he must have heard who it was, so he picked it up, and he said, oh, John, you know, I remember you, we, 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 we had this uh, conversation, um, what did you want to do, blah, blah, so we're talking, and, and I was like, well, you know, you know, let's try to do an interview, said, yeah, let's do the interview first, and we'll talk about some other things. Um, you know, later on, but let's just focus on uh, the interview. Yeah. So he goes, the only thing I, I have is, is I, w- I have to give you a, a time constraint just because of, you know, when, when we're recording it, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, here, no problem, sir. You know, whatever you want, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. So I'm thinking he's going to say, okay, you know, you guys got 10 minutes, blah, blah. He goes, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to limit you to one hour. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I go, we got an hour. Holy, you know, holy shit. Bruno for an yeah. hour. It's unbelievable because you know you get you see yeah. some interviews. It's like oh, I interviewed the guy for two minutes, so you know we interviewed him. So you know I sure. still would have been happy with that. But when he said one hour, I was floored because you know he wanted to, to do something or something with his wife and it was getting late and stuff. So it was like one hour. I go, that's plenty of time. That's perfect. And then to to go through that hour and go through his whole life and go through his career and then all the way at the end him to put us over strong. I mean, uh, you mean it's just amazing having an interaction like that with somebody who's basically a, a god to us. Well, you know, everything you tell me is so typically Bruno. I mean, that's, you know, you, you hear that in the, the cliches and stuff, you know, this guy's a great guy, that guy's a great guy, this guy's a jerk, that guy's a jerk. Uh, but with Bruno, like when I listened to that clip, the one thing that stuck out to me was uh, how he called you guys by name at the end of the interview. Uh, and, you know, you, you just setting it up a minute ago and talking about, how he, you know, he was. There was those back and forth phone calls, getting a feel. He, that's exactly what he was doing. He was filling you out. Are these guys jerks? Are they good guys? Is their heart in the right place? Uh, and that was the only reason he gave that interview to you. Because if he didn't feel that trust with you, he wouldn't have given you two minutes. Um, not not because he thinks he's that important or whatever. Just because he wouldn't have been interested in talking to you guys. 
So when he felt that, you know, those back and forth phone calls, those were instrumental in getting that, that, uh, that interview in the first place. And, you know, the, 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 the clip that Chad sent over uh, several days ago, and I listened to the entire thing and, and, and listened to it, I thought, that is the Bruno that I know. That's him. Because, like I said, had he not wanted to talk to you guys, he wouldn't have given you two minutes, let alone an hour. And that, that he called you at the end by name and wished you guys the best uh, and, all, and, 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 and success and all you did. And I, that is the genuine Bruno San Martino. And every word that he said there, he meant. It wasn't just like, hey, he says at the end of every interview or whatever. Uh, well, he, he may say at the, end of, at the end of every interview, but that would only be because he allowed the interview to happen in the first place. Uh, having felt you guys out and, and, and gotten a feel for who you guys were and what your intention was. Um, but, you know, I think Dominic tried to convey it in his way in talking about what a special person that Bruno was. And for me, I can honestly say that in all my years in wrestling, of all the big names I've met, and I've met them all, uh, Bruno is at the head of that class. And by a wide margin, not just because I knew him or I grew up watching him, just because of the type of man that he was, the type of person that he was. Uh, you know, he, he took a genuine interest in people. Uh, if you ever see any of the local interviews that he did, uh, he would take calls from the fans and he would listen to the entire question, you know, and just very thoughtfully listen and take it in. Uh, I learned so much from watching him and, you know, pale in comparison in my ability to connect with people uh, he was, you know, like Larry Richard said in, in his eulogy yesterday, Bruno, Bruno San Martino was something different. He was something special. Uh, there was just a, an aura about the guy. And, you know, for us to have been able to, for me to have known him, and for us to have had the chance to, to spend an entire episode talking about him, brought back a lot of great memories for me. And then to have Dominic come on, to me, has made episode 45 part of my, my favorite episode so far. Uh, I completely agree, and and it's hard to believe. I mean, I, I never personally met him uh, at a signing or anything. I just had the interaction and speaking to them on the phone, but it's hard to believe he's gone, and, and it's only because, just like uh, everybody had just said on this episode, you never thought he was going to you know, go away. You, you never thought he'd ever leave us, and it's, uh, it, it's like losing the biggest icon in any kind of sport, so whether that is Babe Ruth or – God forbid something with uh, Michael Jordan or, or Wayne Gretzky, the biggest icon of a sport you could possibly imagine. Uh, I feel we just lost this past week, and it was uh, it, it's still very surreal. And again, in a, a wrestling world without Bruno San Martino, something just doesn't seem right about it. But obviously, you know, we're just going to have to move on and see uh, see what the next day brings. No, no doubt about that. My my question is now, especially with. You know, with, with with his passing, with Bruno's passing, is uh, you know everybody's aware of my my beliefs, my my religious beliefs. But you know, if there's a heaven, then they must be having one hell of a damn main event card up there because I mean they've got some <laughs> outstanding people up there, and the and the living legend has now arrived. So uh, you know they've got they've got some pretty good talent to have some pretty damn good shows. Uh, absolutely. So as Shane, as we wrap it up here, you know, we didn't get really a chance to dive into your weekend. Saw some pictures floating around the, uh, the social media universe of uh, franchise put more smiles on people's faces like only he can. 
So coming up this weekend, where's Shane Douglas going to be doing what he does best and getting between those ropes in the squared circle? Well, this coming weekend, uh, I am uh, looking to pop into a little House of Hardcore show in Indiana and raise a little hell with Tommy Dreamer like I typically do. And then on Saturday, I'm going to be in Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, and looking forward to that. Uh, just you know, For me, this, this whole weekend... You know, rather than go into the whole pomp and circumstance that the franchise usually does at this point, because of this past week's events, you know, I just feel more sublime, you know, just to talk about it a little more uh, in, in muted terms. Uh, so looking forward to being in Indiana and in Beckley, West Virginia, uh, this coming uh, Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, have fun at that House of Hardcore. Our good old buddy uh, Kevin Thorne will be on that show. So say hi to the big vampire from uh, from his two Excellent. buddies, the two-man power trip. Yeah, it's going uh, to be one hell of a show. So Shane, you can get all the t-shirts and all the, the action figures. This is on our itinerary, so I'm going to cover this now. Not only can you get the Shane Douglas official t-shirts from ProWrestlingTees.com slash franchise. SD, but you can now get the franchise action figure from Figures Inc. at WrestlingSuperstore.com, and that's twenty nine ninety nine. Now, that might sound like a, a pretty steep cost for an action figure, but when you see this thing and you put it up against the rest of your collection, uh, I can dare say that that action figure is going to franchise that uh, the rest of your action figure collection's <laughs> asses because it's uh, it's very detailed down to the tassels on the boots. Yeah. So, Figures Inc. did a great job with that chain. Starting to see it pop up. Somebody tweeted out not only the T-shirt, but the the figure to go along with it. So, I think that's a good little combination if people can get creative and uh, really add a little franchise to their uh, their their memorabilia collections. No, no, you know, Russell, I, WrestleCon marks the first time that I started seeing those action figures pop up for uh, people getting autographed, and in the last uh, two weeks since WrestleCon. I've seen the same thing, you know, the, uh, you know, you know, four or five, 10, WrestleCon for about 10 of them the last uh, few weekends, four or five each weekend uh, popping up. So, uh, you know, going to be, like I've told everybody before, I'm, you know, slowly wrapping things up with my in-ring career. And, uh, you know, this is like one of your last opportunities to be able to get one of those uh, action figures and get them autographed. So, you know, if you, if you get a chance, you see some, I'm going to be close by in the next uh, uh, few months, grab yourself one of those from uh wrestling from a uh, figures toy company uh, or from the, what is it? The wrestling superstore and uh, bring them on by and get them signed. Yeah. Do it up. And then, yeah, obviously you mentioned legends of the ring it's going to be a little bit down the road, first week of June, so we'll all be together up in uh, New Jersey, which will be really awesome, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. So, uh, you know, with all that being said, you can follow us on Twitter, at the franchise SD at Two Man Power Trip. You can send any of the Ask Franchise Anything questions to the triple threat pod at gmail.com, and if you haven't had your fill of all of us, you can head over to tmptofwrestling.com, and you can find two things on there. One... You can find the franchise Triple Threat Podcast page where we've got our show downloads, YouTube clips, and also the links directly to the franchise t-shirt store as well as the action figures. And then you can click on the TMPT Con 2 tab that is on the page as well, and you can get all the ticket information to join us in Richmond, Virginia on May 19th, along with a huge cast of characters 
that is uh, it's getting so long, uh, I can't even remember most of the people. So head on over to tmptofwrestling.com so we can get you uh, set up to join us in Richmond, Virginia on May 19th, this coming May. So, Shane, with all that being said, this is an amazing episode and an amazing tribute to Bruno. And we thank Dominic for coming on. We thank you for setting it up. So please take us out in only the way the franchise can and get us on the way to episode number 46. Well, typically over the top in the franchise manner, but I feel like, again, with this week's uh, events, uh, part of just best to take it out nice and easy. 45 episodes down, look at a big 46 next week. Uh, and in honor of the living legend, Bruno San Martino, and all those childhood dreams and fantasies I had, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank Bruno San Martino and, and uh, for all I learned from him, uh, from all the enjoyment I got watching his matches over all those years, and for having had Dominic on tonight and everything that he taught me. Uh, just a uh, sort of bittersweet week, but a, a fun time to relive and recount some of those memories. So appreciate everybody listening to this one, and we'll see you here next week. <laughs>